0: They're not that fishy at all, though. Quite a mild taste. I quite, I, I quite like it. Sorry, oh, we didn't even say this is um, well, be even harder to pronounce with a mouthful of it. But it's um, k- kiluvali. <laughs> <Kieluvule. laughs> it's actually quite good
1: because it covers our not being able to pronounce it. Yeah. Also known as sprats. I actually found a box of sprats in my mum's car. She uses them to get my dog into the boot. Maybe she's a secret Estonian.
0: Wait, so so your mum actually?
1: Sorry, your mum actually had it in the car. And I, yeah, you... my mum is like, um, "I've got some sprats to like get Archie into the car."
0: Oh, but then you've got open tin of sprats in the that's car. What, that, that's that's what I mean. That's
1: why she's got the the Tupperware lid. But yeah. it didn't smell of fish. But I was kind of shocked when I opened the boon.
0: I, f- I feel like we've learned more about dog scent, <laughs> yeah. the power of the dog scent, <laughs> rather than Estonian food. But we'll get yeah. we'll get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> So here we go again. Welcome to another episode of the 10 Minutes on podcast series. I'm Alex. I'm joined by Alistair. Hello. And in this series, we're covering all the basics you need to know about each of the modern day countries, which used to be under Soviet rule, their culture, history and current affairs. And today we're talking about Estonia, one of three former Soviet Baltic countries. I'm,
1: uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is exciting. Estonia is pretty distinct from other former Soviet states, just like all of the Baltic countries, really. So it's a good one to do. Even when it was part of the Soviet Union, it's always had its own very strong national identity. That's, yeah, that's
0: very true. And today we'll be talking about extremely long Estonian words, about how the country fought for its independence by singing, and about how the capital city, Tallinn, has developed
1: in the post-Soviet years. But before we do that, we should mention the lovely kilovilib we've been eating at the start of the episode, i.e., sprat sandwiches, with sprats being small fish common to the Baltic Sea.
0: Yeah, honestly, they're excellent. So these are um, open-top sandwiches with rye bread, butter, sprats, and a slice of boiled egg and chopped spring onion. It's it's a very popular snack in Estonia, and and Alice and I have uh, channeled our inner Estonians and made ourselves some at home. Yeah.
1: I'm thoroughly rated them. I think I might be having Kelovi again, maybe, yeah. one day. Good thing they taste good as I've got about five tins of sprouts. <laughs> uh,
0: right, should we get going then? Yep, let's go. So, I mentioned extremely long Estonian words and that's probably a good place to start. Alistair, if I were to say to you, imagine it's your birthday week, right? Right. And you are coming to the end of it, it's the weekend, you're having a party in the afternoon and you're probably feeling a bit tired because you've been partying all week. Mm. So amazingly, in Estonian, you can actually express that exact emotion and scenario with just one 42-letter word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, um, but I will ask Estonian Google to say it instead. Let me see if I can get it. Right, here we go. Maybe one more time.
1: Impressive.
0: Yes, so its precise meaning is the tiredness one feels on the afternoon of the final party of the birthday week. (laughs) That's how I felt after this bank holiday. But do people actually use this word? Um, I, I don't think so. So if you're traveling to Estonia and want to learn some key phrases, probably worth memorizing a few others before you get to that one. Um, But the point is, the Estonian language can be quite tricky because it is an agglutinative language, meaning it often glues together short words to make long ones. Theoretically, you could even have a word that is even longer than 42 letters. And there are a lot of people having fun on the Internet trying to come up with new words to beat the record.
1: That's interesting that it can be a difficult and also very different language because after gaining independence from the Soviet Union, there was a large minority of ethnic Russians who had migrated to Estonia for work, many of whom did not speak Estonian at the time, and many still don't. Language is one feature of ethnic tensions in Estonia, but maybe we'll come onto that a bit later.
0: Well, Estonian is, of course, the national language, but there are Russian-speaking regions in the northeastern county of uh, Ida, Viruma, and parts of the capital Tallinn.
1: Let's talk a bit about Estonian culture as well, because it's got various Nordic, Baltic and Germanic influences.
0: Yeah, so Estonia is a northeastern European country. It borders Latvia to the south and Russia to the east, but it is very near to Finland and Sweden across the Baltic Sea. The language is very close to Finnish, but then comparing it with Latvian or Lithuanian, by contrast, is a bit like comparing English with Japanese. It's totally different. Um, and like Latvia, Estonia does have some Protestant influence from past Baltic-German rule, um, though today it's actually one of the most secular cultures in Europe. But one thing that all Estonians do love is a good sing-along. Yes, yeah, really. For a nation that is um, stereotyped as introverted, singing is its speciality. We'll probably talk later on about um, the singing revolution when um, Estonians gained independence through song, though m- Major events like um, the Song Festival, where 30,000 Estonians come together to sing in unison, they're still a big part of national culture today. It sounds
1: like karaoke and Tallinn would be a fun night out.
0: Yeah, to be honest, or, or any kind of night out, really. Um, but what else should we say about Estonian culture?
1: Um, well, there's a sort of national pride in the natural environment, which is quite interesting Estonia is quite flat, but around 50% of it is forested, and it has over 2,000 islands on the Baltic Sea. Though the vast majority of people live in this city, that link to nature is fairly important. Things like lakes, woods. Hiking, wild camping. Yeah, the outdoors. It's a big part of the Estonian way of life. Yeah, sounds like an ideal place for Bear grills. Indeed, though you're more likely to pick wild berries and mushrooms than have to scavenge anthills for your food.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: tasty. Um, let's talk a bit about Estonia's history then. Where Where should we start? Well, we can start as far back as the first century AD, really. Estonia has a long history which is characterised by constant struggles against foreign invaders. Knowledge of tribes living along the eastern shore of the Baltic Sea dates all the way back to when Roman historian Tacitus described them as Aesti, who lived within systems of clans and elders. This is interesting as even in the 1920s and 30s, Estonian governments had the title of state elder, rigivanem, to describe the combined Office of Prime Minister and Head of State. The first recorded example of a foreign invasion of Estonia was in the 9th century, when Vikings moved down the Baltic coast. There's that Nordic connection again. That's right. And after the Vikings, Estonia was fought over by numerous European and Christian colonizers. Throughout the Middle Ages, all the way up to the 20th century, Estonia was fought over by Swedish kings, Russian Tsars, and other European forces, with Peter the Great being the first out of the Tsars to conquer the Baltic provinces. However, it's worth pointing out that during Tsarist rule, the German nobility had extensive autonomy as local Germans played an influential role in the region.
0: Yeah, and sadly, the history of being caught between Warring powers continued into modern history, but um, but let's mention the brief period between the two world wars when Estonians finally had their own state.
1: Yes, well, Estonia was under Russian rule until the Russian Revolution in 1917. The First World War changed things as Estonia gained full autonomy after the February Revolution and the nation declared its independence in 1918. During this interwar period, Estonia made significant progress not only in a political sense, but also in a cultural one. The Estonian language was promoted, and in 1925, a law was passed which guaranteed minorities within Estonia the right to cultural autonomy, demonstrating a level of tolerance which was unusual in Europe at that time. However, this progress was thwarted by the Second World War. The Soviets occupied Estonia from 1940. The Nazis invaded and occupied from 1941 to 1944, and the Soviets reoccupied the country from 1944 until the U.S. collapse in 1991.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's worth mentioning too that Estonia regained independence, um, famously by a singing revolution, where the country sang en
1: masse in Estonian by way of protest against Soviet rule. Yes, Estonians do love a song, but for most of Estonia's existence, it has struggled for independence from competing European powers.
0: That's right. But then what has happened in Estonia since it gained independence in 1991?
1: Well, following the collapse of the Soviet Union, Estonia's future initially may have seemed bleak due to the country's economic dependence on the USSR. However, Estonia made an impressively successful transition to democracy and market economy. Estonia is one of the least corrupt countries in the world, and it enjoys some of the highest living standards and a very high human development index score. Yeah.
0: So one reason why Estonia is often in the news today is because within the country, there are critical differences in opinion regarding issues such as history and relations with Russia. And like any other country in the Western world, disagreements between the right and left also and the elites and those left behind.
1: Yeah, well, nowhere is perfect. And an interesting story which came to light in 2019 across various news platforms was that talent is the fastest segregating capital in Europe.
0: Yeah, so this is this is the segregation between native Estonians and ethnic Russians who arrived largely during the Soviet rule.
1: Yeah, it's not just an ethnic issue, but also a class one. During Soviet times, Russian-speaking groups enjoyed greater privileges than the native Estonians as the Soviet authorities imposed a strict policy of Russification of the country. Russian speakers lived in newer apartments with central heating and running water, whereas most Estonians were confined to older pre-Soviet houses and residential buildings.
0: Right. And after the transition, former industrial and agricultural areas were at greater risk of falling behind, which today has led to traditionally high unemployment in the northeast, um, where many native Russian speakers reside, but also then
1: rural poverty for many ethnic Estonians living elsewhere. Exactly. It's a very complicated issue, not solely based on ethnic differences. A legacy, really, of the Soviet Union's annexation of the country in the 1940s, which was mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah. And in Tallinn, tensions have escalated in the past, such as um, in 2007, after a Soviet monument was moved from the center of the city to a military cemetery.
1: Yeah, Tallinn has an interesting demographic profile. Today, Estonians make up roughly half of Tallinn's population, and the other half is made up predominantly of native Russian speakers. Before World War II, Estonians made up more than 80% of their country's capital. These changes show how Estonians were subject to ruthless policies by the Soviet regime, which involved mass deportations, and in the northeast of the country especially, Russian workers migrated there in large numbers to work in heavy industry. Therefore, the Estonian government today has the challenge of trying to rebuild communities that were forged during Soviet times. So I guess the question is,
0: how can the Estonian government resolve this issue?
1: Well, one proposed initiative is to combat gentrification of talent, as this accentuates inequalities by having districts which are clearly more affluent than others, which leads to lower social cohesion. There are also efforts to ensure Estonians and those whose first language is Russian socialize more by increasing language learning and helping immigrant populations in general to gain access to different job markets and not be confined to what people call low skilled jobs. Although some progress has been made, relations between people living in Estonia are affected by tensions between Russia and Europe, so it's difficult to predict what will happen in the future.
0: Yeah, the Russian question is definitely one to watch in Estonia and it will be key to see how relations develop, not only between Russian speaking and ethnic Estonian citizens, but also between the two states themselves in the wider sort of EU, NATO
1: and Russia arena. It certainly will. However, unfortunately, that is all we have time for this week. Thanks to everyone who tuned in and to Dr. Alan Sik and Dr. Mark Kulkep for being academic supervisors for this episode.
0: Yep. Thanks to them. And thanks, everyone. See you next time.
1: Yeah. Thanks, everyone.